You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the basement, down at the bar. Happy weekend to everybody. It's freezing outside, and there's basically going to be a lot of snow. So why not just relax for 30 minutes with us? Pull up a stool at the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one, and it's now time for 30 minutes of Socks. Brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. The phone number, the website, right there on the logo. Give them a call. You may have some water issues. In fact, they may be coming very soon. In about 10 days, if you look ahead at the weather forecast, it is going to go from these frigid single-digit or teen temperatures to mid-30s, and instead of snow, we're going to have rain coming down, we're going to have snow melting. If you're not prepared, get ready for water in your basement. Call Family Waterproofing Solutions now, have them check it out, and make sure everything is going to be okay before you're down there with a bucket trying to save your couch, all right? FAMWS.com, tell them we sent you, you get money off, and Ed... Uh, if I haven't scared people now into running around looking for seepage in their basement. Well, we could, yeah, I mean, you could also talk about pipes bursting from the cold. You could talk about <laughs> slipping and falling outside your house. It's all about scaring the heck out of people so that they go to the sponsor and the sponsor is happy. That's all I care about. Let's be honest. I've had stuff in the basement before, so some of those things are pretty real concerns. Like, I yeah, know. It's actually legit. I so. know an area of my house that before I got it fixed that when that kind of stuff would happen, water would come in. So it's not made up. It's going to happen. So, you know, I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of a warning. All right. We got James Fox on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about spring training. We're going to talk a little bit about who you should be watching in spring training as it gets ready to kick off. We're going to talk about some of these prospects that you may get to see uh, on your television set, depending on how many games they actually show you back here in Chicago. In fact, I'm actually going to ask him uh, about a fantasy baseball question that I have as I'm looking for young pitchers to put inside of my minor league system. And I want to know which White Sox really young pitchers in the system that I should be throwing onto my dynasty team and holding onto for a couple years because they're going to be good White Sox players in the future. So all of that is ahead. While you're asking him and answering that, I'll just go and get those players and put them on my team so you don't get a chance to get them. Yeah, and you're off the show now. All right, Scott Merkin from uh, Camelback Ranch is, uh, well, he's not actually out there. I don't think he is. He's he's getting news that has just come out from Camelback Ranch. They're going to have people in the stands. Uh, They're going to be doing pods of two, four, and six seats that are going to be spread out, and that includes the lawn pods. 2,400 seats for each game. If you're going down to spring training, that's 18% of full capacity. Up for sale to the general public, 10 a.m., a week from today, the day this show comes out on February 20th. So if you're planning on going down to spring training, guess what? You are going to be able to sit down and watch a ball game. And I bet you they sell out every single game. Just like if they open up the ballpark for opening day, they will have every spot available filled with White Sox fans. And that's a big deal because this team needs to start making more money. So what happened in the offseason never happens again. And I think if anybody has the opportunity to get out and actually see a ball game and get outside, they're going to take it because, let's face it, we've been sitting here waiting for something like that for over a year now. I made a bet last night with a, a guy who pointed out to me that the White Sox made a terrible decision getting rid of James McCann. Just terrible. He's very upset. He's like, yeah, Grandal's terrible. 
James McCann is better. And I said, yeah, but Grandal creates more runs and Grandal saves more runs. He's like, ah, oh, it's ridiculous. And he's talking about batting average. Like he's on a different set of stats than when I'm on, you know? Right. He's still old school at what was on the back of the baseball card, like in 1984. And, and you, you can measure things a little bit differently now in the impact of a player. We've actually gone through the entire Grandal question in a previous podcast, they're on demand. Go back, look through. It's on there. It's it's kind of recent. I want to say it was like in December, maybe November, with Jordan Lazowski jumped on, and he had written a big article on it comparing the two and explaining why Grandal was so valuable, and that's why we had him on. This guy bets me five bucks that James McCann will have a better season in New York than Yasmani Grandal. And I go, all right, fine. I said, but, you know, what are we using to measure it? He goes, fielding percentage and batting average. I said, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's ridiculous. Like, that's not, how, that's you, that's not how you measure a player, fielding percentage and batting average. I was like, why don't we go with war? Why don't we just go wins above replacement? Yeah, that's that's a good measure. He goes, well, I'm sure you'll know where to look that up. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, oh, I, he might as well just hand me the $5. He doesn't even understand what this is. <laughs> right. <laughs> he doesn't even understand. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here scratching my head wondering why you're letting this bet go on for 5 bucks. I feel like you could take this guy for a heck of a lot more here. <laughs> I should have upped that bet immediately the moment he said that. He goes, he goes, yeah, definitely. War. You just show me what the war is at the end of the year. James McCann and Yasmani Grandal and whoever's got the highest war, uh, that that person wins wins five dollars. And I was like, oh, he's all gonna right. be looking on YouTube to see if one of them covered spill the wine. Look, I know that it's a complicated thing where you try to figure out like what how you ca- how you calculate a war. Like I, I get that, all right. And if you ask me to try to figure the entire thing out for you, I couldn't just rattle off how the equation works. But I also know that it's a really good way to try to figure out what a guy is in comparison to other players. Well, and guess what? You don't actually have to know the equation to look it up. I know that whole top 10 right now thing has been really hit or miss, but Grandal and JT Realmuto have been at the top of that list for several years running now, and James McCann just eked into it this year, partially because I think East Coast bias and the Mets signed him to a big contract, and they're sort of like, yeah, I guess maybe what he was doing the past couple of years as a backup is real, and he can take the next step, but... McCann could hit 300 for the year and strike out every other time that he, he's at the plate and he's going to have a better batting average than Grandal. If if he looks up last year, McCann had a 1.3 war and Grandal had a 0.8. But over his career, Grandal's an 18 and James McCann is at a 7. So I'm, right. I, I feel very confident in a full season with McCann not being able to be put up against the proper matchup because he isn't playing every day and they can kind of cherry pick when he's going to be in the lineup. I don't think he comes out ahead of Yasmani Grandal. I feel pretty confident in this one. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. This is the problem though, with also looking at 2020 as, as anything is that in a shortened season, Grandal didn't have a chance to normalize his numbers and McCann didn't have a chance to normalize his numbers in 2019. McCann faded down the stretch really badly. Right. And Grandal if he was cold a little bit last year, or if he, you know, if he could have done a little bit more here and there uh, to raise that war up because he got an extra couple of hits or something over the course of 162 games and both of them catching, say 120 of them, you're going to see a lot more averaging out of their highs and lows than what you got over 60 games last year with both of them sharing time and not spending all of that time on the field. So you know, if he's looking at last year's war and saying, oh, I got Chris's five bucks, 
No, you don't. Which is why I still think you should have added a couple zeros onto that bet. Actually, I'm doing that right now. Ask him if he wants to add a zero onto that. And send. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's gonna help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order, right now at creakybone.com. Joining me on the phone line right now from Future Socks and Southside Socks, our good friend. He's been on an awful bunch of times, and we're, we're happy whenever he can find the time to get on and talk a little White Sox with us. James Fox on the line. How are you, James? I'm good, man. How are you? The spring training schedule is out. That's a good thing. And there's names being floated around, non-roster invitees, people to watch now in spring training. And, and there are going to actually be a few things to watch, right? Because since they didn't address everything the way we kind of wanted them to in free agency or through trade, we're going to be watching, is Andrew Vaughn ready? Are they going to put somebody else in there and keep Vaughn down for a little bit? What is going to happen at the back end of the rotation? What's the most interesting storyline in spring right now for you that you think we're going to be following? For me personally, I think it's just like health of the guys that we know, right? Like how does Yohan Mankata look in spring training? Does he look back? Because, you know, I, I think that's like the single biggest difference that like anybody can have, right? I mean, he, he struggled last year and was still like probably one of the five or six best third basemen in baseball after a five war campaign the year before that. So like he's super important and Robert and like, you know, more growth from within, which is, you know, kind of what they're banking on. It seems like, because they, you know, they didn't spend the money that everybody kind of like hoped that they would spend. So, I mean, obviously like there's pitching battles in the bullpen, but they can keep 14 pitchers if they want, I think like with the, with the new rules. So, I mean, they could get anybody onto the roster. I think you want to see Michael Kopech pitch, but I don't think anybody expects Michael Kopech on the roster to start the year. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if he's starting a spring training game, like I'm going to be locked in watching it, but I don't think the results of those spring training contests like matter in the grand scheme of like, whether he goes with the team to Anaheim or not, because I just don't think he's going to. And then, you know, for me, and we can get into Andrew Vaughn a little bit more, obviously, but, I feel like it's the same way for him. I think he's going to play a ton of games in Chicago, but I don't think Andrew Vaughn's on the opening day roster, like without a contract extension, because that's the way that they've typically done these things. And, you know, for the people that hate the service time manipulation, like I get it, but when your owner is Jerry Reinsdorf and you don't spend like at the top of the free agent market or, you know, at the middle of the free agent market lately, like you have to get an extra year on guys as good as Andrew Vaughn, like as, you know, I guess disheartening as that is. Who out of the non-roster invitees are you thinking have a legit shot to break camp with the team and come to Chicago to start the season? So, you know, we've talked about catcher a lot. I think Jonathan Lucroy is absolutely on the team. They just didn't want to cut anybody to sign him to a major league deal. So by him signing a minor league deal, he goes to camp. 
And then who knows, right? Like something happens, somebody gets hurt in camp, they can put a guy on the 60-day DL and you add Lucroy later. Or like the end of Subby Zavala finally happens and you add Jonathan Lucroy. There's just no reason to do it now if he's willing to take a minor league deal. So I fully expect him to be the backup catcher. Now, whether Collins is like on the team too and they keep both of them, like that would be fine. But I think Lucroy is on the team with an injury. You could see, like, Tim Beckham, I think, is a possibility. Um, you know, he's not really what they need because he's another right-handed bat. He's a free swinger, but he does have some power. But, I mean, look, something happens to Moncada or somebody. I mean, he's probably the next man in. So, he, you know, he's depth at Charlotte. Nick Williams, like, I would think they'd probably go to Luis Gonzalez before they went to Nick Williams. But, you know, most of those guys are just, like, depth guys to where like if you see like some of those guys like you're you know this this Sox team particularly is like in a lot of trouble um the the one guy that is kind of interesting like out of the bullpen I think is Ryan Burr he you know he was in the big leagues and had Tommy John and they outrighted him off the big league roster so if he's good like you know they probably get him to Charlotte obviously but he's a guy that like could pitch in the big leagues again this year so you know, the one thing that's a little bit confusing, I mean, there, there's 21 non-roster invites, right? So, And you don't see many, like, big prospects on there other than Andrew Vaughn. Everybody on the 40-man, like, gets an automatic spot in big league spring training. And all of their top prospects at this point, other than, like, the prep pitcher guys, are on the 40-man already. So, you know, it's those 21 names plus the entire 40-man roster. So that's quite a bit of guys. Sheets is moving out to the outfield does he really have a, a a good shot as sticking as an outfielder? And could he be a guy that if because of injury or something happens, all of a sudden when they need to find another guy to patrol the outfield, we could see Gavin Sheets as early as this year at some point? Yeah, it's interesting. So I talked to Gavin Sheets for Future Sox last year, and he, look, he was not invited to the alternate site. Um, so it's easy to like write off, right? I mean, it's, it's a little bit eyeball raising, right? When you look at that group of, kids that are there and you're like, wow, Kevin Sheets over there. Like, that's not really good for him. So it seems like he, you know, he trimmed down a ton, got in shape, decided that he was going to try to play some outfield, like, you know, not only for the Sox, but I guess like it just like makes him more valuable in general, right? The book on Kevin Sheets is always, he's going to have to hit for a ton of power because he's first base only. And he's this big hulking, you know, six foot five, like 250 pound, like first baseman. And, you know, he has, huge like raw power that he would show in BP but like in games in a ball he just like didn't hit that many homers and his thing is he's one of these guys he's kind of like Nick Madrigal where he hates striking out right but if you're a power hitter like you got to hit for power and like that's like the biggest thing so he kind of really turned a corner in Birmingham and he even told me in the interview like Birmingham's a graveyard like that place is really tough on hitters and he hit 16 homers there and drove in 83 and he was looking forward to going to Charlotte last year because that place was a launching pad. Like, he was going to bombs away at Charlotte. And that was kind of before anybody knew about the outfield transition. So, yeah, he's, like, an interesting guy to watch. All right, so now, before I let you go, I want you to help me out with my fantasy baseball team uh, because you you know these prospects better than any of them. And uh, we have this dynasty league. Ed's in it, too. Uh, I've won three championships through, throughout the history of the dynasty. He only has one and I, I want to kind of add some pitching prospects. And there's a few names that are young pitching prospects that are floating out there from the White Sox because teams just don't have enough room to hold them, and I do have the room. So if you had to pick between Jared Kelly, Matthew Thompson, or Andrew Dahlquist, 
as a young pitcher that I should stash because one day that guy's going to make it to the majors and do a really good job and help me win another championship. Which one would you put your money on? Uh, Jared Kelly for me. I mean, I, I think Jared Kelly was a top 20 draft prospect last year. I think we talked about that. He's just, you know, he's your typical like big Texan high school prospect. Um, you know, he's out at spring training right now at like a mini camp. There was some reports going around that he was like invited to big league spring training. That's not true. I mean, he's a, you know, he's going to be pitching an A ball this year, but Jared Kelly is their number one prospect. Like very soon, like after these top four guys graduate and they're going to graduate fairly quickly. So Jared Kelly for me, like I'm a fan of the other two guys, but I think Kelly is in like a different stratosphere than, than the other two guys. Kelly like profiles is a front of the rotation type guy. Um, you know, there's some conditioning issues and breaking ball stuff, but he's got plus plus fastball plus change already, and he's like 19. So that that's the guy that I would say. James Fox, Future Sox, Southside Sox. I appreciate every time that you stop in on the show. Are you going on to spring training, or are you going to be uh, watching him from afar? Yeah, so I can't make it because I, you know, I coach high school football in the fall. We have a season starting March 3rd and it goes through April 24th, so we have a spring season, and then I also coach junior high track, and because of this, like, my sports are overlapping, so I have to coach both, so (laughs) I will be watching spring training on TV. Um, Hopefully, you know, the flagship station this year broadcasts more than six spring training games. That That would be be nice. That would be nice. That would be be beneficial for me. I mean, when when you find out that the White Sox have their own television home, you would think that means like, oh, you're just going to play all the games like instead of like bass fishing, right? But that's not always the case. So I'm hoping it happens this year. You got to play all those replays of gas money, just the the same old ones over and over and over again. You got to slip those in as well. I mean, who has time for White Sox baseball? Well, you yeah, and you go on and it's like Eastern Illinois basketball against somebody, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh my goodness. Sox in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. All right, let's talk about these 21 non-roster invitees. And as James Fox pointed out, a lot of the guys you're really going to be paying attention to are the guys that are on the 40-man roster because uh, all their real big prospects, except for like the guys that they drafted that were about high school age that are super young, their most recent draft picks, they're on the 40-man. Jake Berger's on the 40-man. All right. Yeah. Uh, we get we got a list of outfielders that are on the 40-man. We've got all kinds of different players that are going to be out there at spring training we're going to get a look at. We talked about a few of them with James Fox. He kind of talked about one or two non-roster invitees, the possibility that Tim Beckham 
gets gets onto the team. The possibility that Jonathan Lucroy is the backup catcher. He seems very bullish on that's what's actually going to happen. He agrees with us. But you wrote an article on uh, Mismatch Socks. That's the companion blog to Socks in the Basement. You can find it at SocksInTheBasement.com. Click on the link. Go check out Mismatch Socks. That's Ed's blog. And he sits down and writes very funny and very big deep dive sometimes in the things that we talk about on the podcast. And it's a great way to kind of get more content on what we were discussing if 30 minutes is not enough for you. Uh, and you went through some of these guys. We've talked about LaCroix, I think, at, at nauseum. So I, we could skip that. But let's go through some of these other guys here that you talked about and see what you found with them, what you liked about them, what you didn't like about them. Uh, one of them is Connor Sadzek. The paragraph or the couple of lines you wrote on him was the reason why I said this is why we've got to talk about the non-roster invitees because you never know when a guy's going to just come through and become a part of your team. Well, and that's where, so if you're looking at the bullpen and you're talking about Evan Marshall, what he was was a couple of years ago was Connor Sadzek. Okay, he was a non-roster, Marshall was a non-roster invitee. He was a veteran guy. He'd kicked around a little bit. And he gets on the socks. And now, you know, when you're talking about forming the 2021 bullpen, you you aren't talking about the Sox bullpen without Evan Marshall being a part of it, right? So Sadzek is a guy that has been a reliever for the Rangers and then for the Mariners. He is out there not because his numbers are bad. He's got a 218 ERA in 33 games, 33 innings. So he's he's got a couple of starts, but he was an opener basically in those starts. He's got 34 strikeouts in 33 innings in the major leagues. That's a good number. Problem is, is he's also got 26 walks, right? So he's a guy that has come in and he has struck guys out. He has limited hits. He apparently has good stuff, and, and I haven't directly scouted him to know. But the numbers suggest that this is a guy that could be a valuable addition to a bullpen if he would stop walking people. Well, that's the biggest problem with most pitchers is that they walk too many guys. I mean, I look at the next guy that you had on the, on the list here, Bennett Souza. Uh, yeah. He's he's right up my alley because here's a pitcher in the minor leagues over 63 games with an ERA of 2.06 and a whip of 1.06. You see ERAs climb a lot when guys move up. Whips can sometimes stay pretty similar because it just shows the guy's very good at keeping people off base. And that means he's not walking a lot of guys. He averaged 1.8 walks per nine innings even though he had 10.25 strikeouts per nine innings and he's a lefty. This is a guy, you know, with the fact that they're extending things where it doesn't have to be 13 pitchers and 13 hitters. You could have 14 pitchers now this year. They changed that rule after saying in the first year of the 26-man roster, the idea was going to be it's 13 and 13. They've changed that rule now and they could have another guy in that bullpen. And here's a guy as a lefty, you could see sneak in there if he has a big spring. Well, yeah, think about the idea that, like, say, Jace Fry uh, gets hurt. This is the kind of guy that's going to take his place, right? Or they want to go with, because they, they know that Bummer is going to be used as a setup guy and they're not going to be bringing him in to face, you know, two lefties and a righty in, in uh, you know, in, in an inning or to come in and try and get a couple of left-handed bats out, even with the, you know, the three-batter rule and everything, but... Seuss is the kind of guy that, as a Sox prospect, you're not going to hear him talked about. You're not going to hear him uh, as someone that you say, hey, look for this Bennett Souza guy, because he's expected to be a middle re- reliever, maybe get some high leverage innings out of him, but he's just a relief pitcher, and he's a lefty relief pitcher. So this is the type of guy, though, that if you're looking as a Sox fan for who are you going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of guys that they want to get a look at, but... 
who are the guys that are actually going to sneak in? Somebody like Souza, who's got these good numbers, even though they are not in the high levels of the minors. That whip, that ERA, that you know, those Ks per nine versus the walks per nine, you're right. That stuff stays fairly similar as long as guys come through and actually throw their pitches and stay within themselves. He's a guy that could very easily end up in the pen along with Sadzak and replacing some of the guys that we've talked about in the past, like Jimmy Cordero or Jose Ruiz, right? Do you really want more of those guys? I can vividly remember a year and a half ago in the middle of the rebuild, recounting a story of sitting at the ballpark in the middle of 2019 and my father pointing out that he was done drinking beer because why is he giving so much money and there's three actual Major League Baseball players on this roster? Right. Like, there's three. <laughs> there's three guys on this roster, maybe four, because we were waiting for all these other guys to get here, and we were waiting for guys to develop, and we were, we were waiting for guys to, to come out of their shell and become uh, the players that they've become. Now I look at the roster, and we've got a superstar catcher, a an MVP first baseman. Uh, we've got one of the top prospects at, at second base in baseball. We, he's going to be starting there. We've got Tim Anderson, batting champion, and almost went back-to-back with nothing but swag, and, and he's ready to play. You know, I'm Moncada coming back, expected to be healthy, and if he's healthy, it isn't going to— I saw some stupid article the other day in, on a, in a fantasy sports column that sat there and said, can't trust Joe Moncada because he only had one good year. And he had two bad years beforehand and a bad year afterwards in 2020. And I'm screaming at my screen while I'm reading it going, hold on a second. He had COVID. And you can't blame a guy who's new and who's a rookie who's trying to find himself for the years beforehand. It wasn't like he had five years like that and all of a sudden he had one good year. He was at the beginning of his development. That's a really short-sighted thing. You got Aloya Menez out in left field. You got Luis Robert who's just going to become amazing in center. And your biggest questions really are, is this ultimate hitter, once-in-a-lifetime type guy who could have been, remember last year we were told he could be playing immediately, okay? Or actually, in 2019, when they drafted him in 2019, James Fox came on and said, if they wanted to bring Andrew Vaughn up immediately onto the team, he could hit. He doesn't even need to go to the minors. And yeah, I'm nervous about what he what he's doing. We've gotten into great detail on that, but that's exciting. If Adam Eaton's your really your only concern out there, you're like, hey, you know, but he's the worst guy out of nine. I'm more interested now in what am I going to watch at spring training? Like, I want spring training to be very interesting to me because you're, you can't gauge guys at spring training that are good. They're going to be playing against inferior talent, a lot of other guys trying to make a team, and they're all going to look amazing. And you're not going to know what they are until the season starts. But I am interested in the Sousas and the Sadzex and and who's going to end up being the catcher and, and, and even Tim Beckham. I'm, I'm interested in those guys during uh, the the spring training, maybe even more than the guys who I already know are on the team and are going to be good. Yeah, the, the guys that I'm, the other guys that I'm watching, I'm, I think Beckham is not. He's a guy that if he makes the team, it's because they don't want Danny Mendick sitting on the bench. Well, you wrote in the article that he's Danny Mendick's problem. He's he's a Danny Mendick problem. He's there. He's a Danny Mendick problem. Like Danny Mendick better know that he's going to camp to compete with Tim Beckham. Exactly. And that's all Tim Beckham's competing with. And as you pointed out, he is he was a number one overall pick in 2008. Eight picks ahead of the unrelated Gordon the Savior Beckham. Right. Who was 31 picks ahead of Lance Lynn. Yep. Of those three guys, look which one ended up being the guy that you were excited was added to the team. And then, is this true? He was eight, and Lance Lynn was eight picks after a guy who you believe to be fictional, a two-lane pitcher called Shooter Hunt. Yes. Yes, he was his draft. Shooter Hunt was drafted out of Tulane University by the Minnesota Twins. Eight picks ahead of Lance Lynn. 
Yep. And <laughs> I can't believe there's a person out there really named Shooter Hunt that Shooter! wasn't yeah Shooter! that wasn't invented for a, a knockoff video game in the eighties. He he seems like. I think he was a character in Baseball Stars. Shooter yeah, Hunt. exactly. Shooter Hunt. <laughs> I think I actually used that name when I made a wrestler in one of the one of the Shooter WWE Hunt. games. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Beckham is going to be an interesting guy. I, I I I think that he could be a guy that he's he's yeah. Look, he he was he's a he's a bust. There are draft picks that are bust. Uh, he is, if he was he drafted, an absolute bust. If he was drafted in the third or fourth round, then he's not a bust because he he became a major league baseball player. When you're number one overall, he's a bust. Yeah, at number one overall, you shouldn't be competing with a guy named Danny Mendick for a utility spot on a team. Right, but now put that all aside, take away where he was drafted, he's a legitimate contender to take Danny's job as a utility oh, guy on this team. Completely. So that's a very interesting battle. Yeah, and and he's a guy, too, that then, you know, when you're talking about Tony LaRusso and the new coaching staff and using guys in certain matchups— there's a guy there that with Beckham, okay, so is he somebody that if you're going to use him around the diamond to spell Madrigal a little bit, to spell Anderson a day, uh, to spell Yoan Moncada for a day or two, are you just picking the, the guys that you know that this guy's going to wail on and throwing him in there? Yeah, that's what LaRusse is going to do. He's not going to chuck him out there just to chuck him out there. So if if Tim Beckham sits on the bench and, and plays sparingly, uh, you know, and can turn into this year's Pablo Ozuna, speaking of non-roster invitees, then all the better. And the other guy, too, that's really interesting, I think, is Nick Williams. And I made a joke about him early on when, when I first was was coming on the show with oh, you. Oh, yeah, Fox Fox kind of dismissed him in the thing. He just kind of moved through his name real quick. He never got into him. And I was like, oh, Ed's going to be upset that he didn't even get into Nick Williams. Tell us why you tell us why you're intrigued by Nick Williams before we get out of here. I, I'm I'm only intrigued by Nick Williams because this is a young left-handed corner outfielder. Okay. And this is a guy that that's, that's a guy that the Sox are looking for in their lineup is, is a young ish left-handed bat, right? I mean, he is essentially what they signed Adam Eaton to be, but he is a guy that was on the rise before the Phillies went Bryce Harper and started adding all these veterans. And, you know, you talk about a guy that had a couple of good seasons, one bad season, a disaster last year in the shortened season, and everybody's like, well, forget about him. He didn't even play in the shortened season, from what I can no. see. Yeah. No, he didn't play. That's that's what makes it a disaster for him. Uh, but that's a guy that, that you know, when you're talking about signing guys to minor league deals and trying to catch guys that were headed towards perhaps being something and then got derailed, I think that's where the Sox can be smart about these things. And I'm going to be watching Nick Williams to see is, is what he did in 2017 and 2018 actually who he is. And could he be somebody that next year when we want the Sox to spend more money, if they don't pick up Eaton's contract and they say, but you know what? Nick Williams played well for us this year in the minors or as a DH until they brought up Vaughn or whatever. And they got him on there for cheap. Could they use that Adam Eaton money for something else? Uh, if you told me you could get a guy who goes out there and hits 288 with an 811 OPS and a 111 OPS plus, and it's 12 home runs over his first 83 games in his rookie season at the age of 23, and then comes out the next year before he gets replaced by Bryce Harper and at least keeps the OPS plus right around 100, okay, and puts up 17 bombs over 140 games, and then basically doesn't get to play again except sparingly in 2019 and not at all in 2020. Here's a kid who's going to be coming walking in at the age of 27 years old who was looking like a good player 
and has an opportunity this spring to be the story of spring training. Or he's going to be a guy that you're going to be like, what were those idiots talking about? That guy sucks. It'll be very interesting to right. see. It's, it's going to be one or the other. But Ed has brought his name up about 40 times on this show since he was signed way back, I think, in like December. Maybe maybe he was a November signing. Like He was one of the first moves they went out and got when the offseason started is they added Nick Williams and we laughed about it. I think it was like their first move that they made. He might even I have been before I Lynn. I one of our shows, Happy Nick Williams Day. That's how I opened exactly. it up. Exactly. Just to get a laugh out of you because I was like, oh, forget it. I it's know. Oh, and this guy could be a factor. He could be a sneaky factor. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.